Nation football has arrived. I am your host, the Stone Cold Padre. Listen, the Oracle, he's back in his cave. He's recharging the mind's eye. He's letting his rankings come to fruition inside, inside his third eye. So he is not with us for the foreseeable future. Bob is still here. What's going on, Bob? What's going on, America? And with pleasure, taking the Oracle spot today is a double dose of guest hosts. Today, we got my brother, Bob, Rob, Cornelius, back on the podcast. What's going on, my man? How we doing? Happy birthday, America. And we got Dan. Negron, resident Ravens fan. What's going on, man? Dope. That's my Homer impression. Let's go. Let's go. If you are listening to this right now, it is at the very least July 4th, 2022. And what that means is happy Independence Day. Welcome into the podcast. We have a special 4th of July episode for you. We are doing player comps. July 4th edition. On this episode of the podcast, we've been making comparisons to four commonly seen 4th of July picnic things. We got hot dogs, our old trusty hot dog. This is the guy. This is the guy that we didn't necessarily want, but we're going to throw him on our onto our plate. And when we're really hungry, when we're starved, that hot dog's going to hit the spot for us. This is a guy who is a steady guy off the bench, a guy we don't mind playing in a pinch. That's our hot dog. We're going to draft a corn on the cob. What's a corn on the cob? This is the MVP of the July 4th picnic plate. This is the guy who is underrated, who is going to win us a fantasy football championship this season. We also have the potato salad. Yuck. I want no part of drafting that guy onto my team and we're going to cap it off with some fireworks. This is the guy who can give us 30 points out of the blue this season in 2022. This is the guy that we're taking to be an anchor for our football team. Just like the fireworks anchor the 4th of July celebrations. We are going to go around the table. I'll go last every single time because I am a gracious host and you guys are probably better than this at me. All right, so we're going to start it off with the hot dog. The first guy we're putting on our plate, this is our sixth man off the bench. Dan, you are the person next to me on this picture right here, so I'll give you the first pick. Who is your hot dog on your July 4th plate? All right, so um, so I did a, I did just a little research. I didn't go too crazy with anything. I was looking for you know a decent starter, um, someone you could maybe put in solid, steady. I thought this year going forward, um, this guy that I'm gonna pick might have a decent year. And I would not be scared to start him if I had him on my team. And I know you'll like this pick is Christian Kirk. Okay. Uh, I looked, I looked up some stats. I seen he was top 30 in targets last year, receptions, yards, and touchdowns. 
he was at least a top 30. So uh, not, not amazing, but I think, you know, that's a good start to have a guy who's, you know, top 32 in the league um, for every, basically every stat. He had a 73 PFF grade last year. I think the Jags will do a lot better um, with that offense. Christian Kirk will definitely get to see a lot of targets. And um, Trevor Lawrence should definitely have a better year with Doug Peterson. And I think that um, I would be all right starting Christian Kirk on a bi-weekly, if not every week basis coming this year yeah i hope and i based off of his contract specifically i hope that he can be a wide receiver too this year for the love of god but i think you're pretty safe at about five or 65 with christian kirk this year i can't see a world where he's not seeing eight nine targets a game so i am comfortable with that pick and uh honestly if he's your sixth man if he's coming off the bench i think you're doing all right Yeah, I agree. I, I think that his hands are kind of tied. He's going to have to be getting a ton of targets. And I think because of that, you know, he's a safe guy to to have as your sixth man for sure. So I actually had him sitting down here along with another Jaguar and Evan Ingram because I think the Jaguars are going to be a safe bet in that passing game for a sixth guy, you know. Just they're going to be throwing the ball a lot still. Um, well, hey, you you're up next. Are you going with Evan Ingram? No, because he said everything that I was going to say with it. So we're just going to switch to somebody else here. And uh, I'm going to take Devontae Parker, who went up to New England this year. Um, he's going to be with uh, Mac Jones. He had 515 yards last year, two touchdowns in 10 games. Not great. Uh, new face, new scenario. He will be the top guy. There is really no one else there. Um, I think they picked up Nelson Aguilar as well. But I. Devontae Parker, as long as he's healthy, will be the guy. He's a nice little stash guy. He's ranked right now as the 62nd wide receiver. So if you could stash him, he's a plug and play for a week or two. You know, he gets hot. So I'm going to go with Devontae Parker. I like to pick. Uh, honestly, I had a another Patriots receiver in Kendrick Bourne on my list. I'm not going to go with him. But since we're here, I'm going to bring it up. I, I think – I honestly think that there's like four guys playing wide receiver now for the Patriots who are kind of in that boat. Well, you're probably pretty comfortable. They're going to get three, four, five catches any given week. Uh, him, uh, Jacoby Myers, uh, uh, Trey Nixon. Watch Trey Nixon coming up. Uh, nobody agrees with me yet, but give it time. Uh, but I think you are probably pretty comfortable. And in fact, I'm going to be honest with you, just to complete uh, other guys that I have listed here, I have New England running backs, not a specific player, but New England running backs and New England wide receivers written right on top of each other. So uh, I, I think I think New England's full of six men. Yes, that's a six-man offense. Agreed. Uh, I have uh, Cedric Wilson from the Dolphins. You know, I was really impressed with Wilson last year, six touchdowns filling in for Gallup I think he's got a nice role he got a nice contract from the Dolphins I think they're going to try to get him the ball I think there's an opportunity for him to to be a nice uh a nice piece especially with you know I've kind of floated it out there but uh I've seen through the Twitter rumor mill that Tyree Kill 
may play a little bit of a Debo Samuel role. And I think that that'll open the door for uh, Wilson to not just be the third guy on a really stacked off uh, wide receiver room, but he could also become the second guy if Tyreek Hill's also taking some carries. So I think there's a chance there for him to replicate what he did last year in a very short stint. I mean, he played a handful of games where he was getting a serious opportunity, he managed to get six touchdowns. Hey, I almost considered Cedric Wilson for my corn on the cob player because of, you know, just with with that Miami offense right now and and presumably Cedric Wilson playing in the slot, uh, I could I could really see him maybe leading the team in receptions uh, yeah. with, uh, with with guys keying on Waddle and Tyreek on the outside. And I, just based off of where he's being drafted in terms of his ADP, just getting the value he could potentially have that late in the draft is what is what wins a league right there is, is somebody like that. So I could definitely see that happening. Yeah. So my hot dog is Melvin Gordon. I uh, wanted to switch it up a little bit. And now Melvin Gordon is a guy who you are absolutely not going to start in his uh, advanced age at this point, especially being a running back and the amount of carries he's had in his career. But he is a guy who, when he's fresh, and you saw it last year when they gave Melvin Gordon the football, he's making good things happen. He can still average four yards a carry. I get, you know, especially at the running back position, if you have a running back getting hurt, it kind of gets to a point where you just want somebody to give you a positive game. And Melvin Gordon's going to do that every time. I don't, I mean, he could put in a 20 point week here and there, but overall, he's probably going to be in the six to 12 range. And if for a backup running back, that's just about what you're looking for with the potential for that 20 point game. Yeah, I really like that pick. You know, I think it goes back to our conversation last week about, you know, is a guy really, is the guy who gets 10 carries a game for 70 yards as good as the guy that gets 20 carries a game for, 85 yards and I think that Melvin Gordon's probably gonna switch roles he's always been kind of the lead back I think he's probably going to be the the second horse to Javante Williams and I think there's a good chance that you know he's going to be the guy that in those small opportunities maybe you're going to see him get six seven yards of carry maybe a couple catches maybe a touchdown here or there and you know I definitely uh I definitely think he can do that well and you know I like that pick he's definitely a guy I would consider stacking or stashing on my team to uh, save up for a bye week. For sure. Any other thoughts on Melvin Gordon, guys? I could see Melvin Gordon being the, the guy who gets the goal line carries as well. Um, and like you said, six points for a touchdown. You know, he gets 20 yards and a touchdown. That's eight points. That's good enough for a guy that you're, you know, desperate to play. So Melvin Gordon is a good pick. And, and Melvin Gordon's got a little Frank Gore You know, it seems like the, the older he gets, he just kind of continues to just put it out there. I mean, he's not slowing down much. I mean, you know, he was a little bit of a speedster early on, but, you know, his game just translates as he gets older. And I think he's in a really good spot, especially with, with Russell Wilson um, as the quarterback now of the Broncos, that this is the perfect situation for him to, you know, to put out eight, ten points a game. Uh, I was actually kind of thinking about uh, Javante Williams because when I was looking, I think Javante was like the 
seventh or eighth running back off the board. And it kind of concerns me a little bit because Javante, Javante was putting up points, you know, in the receiving game. And I'm trying to think back to, to Seattle, their offense over the past several years. I don't think their running backs are really catching too many balls. I'm not sure. Is that in Russell Wilson's playbook? to uh, throw too many balls to Javante Williams, I think the offense might be more set up for a between-the-tackles runner like Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit too last week when we are talking about the uh, Broncos wide receiving core, is who's going to be the one that's going to uh, see the see the touches. And, and you're right. I mean, you know, you go from Teddy Bridgewater, there was a lot of checkdowns, a lot of shots to the running back and you know that's really not when you think of a, a penny or you think about Marshawn Lynch or whatever that that really wasn't a big part of their their arsenal you know I think about guys that you know the tight end position you know we talked about whether or not Cortland Sutton's built for a, a big year this year or whether it was Jerry Judy but no I, t- I totally agree that's my biggest concern and you know as you know Ramsey the I'm a Javante Williams owner and, and it's concerning. Is he really going to be a, a running back one or is he, you know, on the projection, but maybe this will kind of cut him off at the knees. Maybe we'll hear about him in the potato salad category. Let's find out. <laughs> All right. We got our juicy hot dogs. They're on the bun. They're on the plate. And then next to the hot dogs is that delicious corn on the cob. Always the best thing to put on your plate as a, at a picnic. And we're going to put them on our teams right here. Who is the guy that is undervalued who can win you your fantasy league this season? Dan, kick us off. All right. Well, I got a nice corn on the cob here. Hot, fresh, and ready off the grill. And this corn on the cob even got a new slab of butter on it. Derek Carr is my corn on the cob, and his new little fresh uh, slice of butter is uh, Devontae Adams. Let me tell you, Derek Carr is ranked 143rd on PFF right now for uh, all players. He's 20th among quarterbacks. Last year, he was he had fifth, he was fifth in attempts and fifth in pass yards and had a 76.3 grade for, for all last season. Plus, he has an upgraded offense, and, you know, he's known to get the ball out out of his hands quick. He has a guy who, you know, is a short kind of can get intermediate short routes going. All, all the offensive weapons he has. I, I know the, the division's kind of upgraded, but I think his skill set and that offense, I think, honestly, I think he's going to be really good bang for your buck. Um, you know, he could be – Possibly, I think easily a, a QB one on on a lot of teams. Uh, for, you know, especially if you're not going to pick a quarterback in the first, you know, four or five rounds. I, I definitely think if if you can get him later, I think he's totally worth um, a pick, and I think he's going to give you a lot of value. He'll probably be again top top five in passing yards, and and at least top five. He had like I said, top five in attempts last year. It'd probably be about top five in attempts this year as well. First of all, I'd like to let you know that I really appreciate you getting a quarterback in there because it was really hard for me to place quarterbacks into these categories. Just looking at their current ADP, it was like, honest to God, like 
I'm not a guy who, who drafts the quarterbacks early anyway. I never get Josh Allen. I never get Pat Mahomes. I just don't draft quarterbacks that early. So if, if Derek Carr winds up being the quarterback that I draft, I'm going to be pretty excited about it, especially if I'm getting him in the you know 12th, 13th round. I'm going to be pretty pumped about that. Rob, you want to give us your corn on the cob? All right, I'm also going to go with the quarterback. He's the 24th ranked quarterback in this in the offseason. I'm going with Davis Mills at the Houston Texans. Uh, the last five games for Davis Mills, he had 251 yards per game, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. He really started coming into his own. Even though the games didn't matter, he started to find his stride. He looked like an NFL quarterback towards the end if you watch those games. Um, I again in that in that uh, AFC South, they're going to be passing the ball a lot. That defense is still terrible, and as it stands right now, their wide receiver, their running back to start off is Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead. So those aren't very good when it comes to actually running. Um, so I think Davis Mills will be your corner on the cob this year. I think he has a good chance of being in that quarterback one as well just for the fact that they will be throwing the ball a lot. And he looked pretty good at the end of the last year. I know Dan loves that pick. Uh, I, Bob, how do you feel about it? No, I like it. I think Davis Mills definitely proved that he's a NFL quarterback. I think he's going to get the opportunity next year. And, you know, he'd be a, a good guy to have on your fantasy team. I know the Oracle's listening, and he's probably happy as well to hear uh, little Davis Mills love. So I'm, I'm there. No doubt about it. Who would you rather have this year, Davis Mills or Justin Fields? Ooh. Davis Mills. I'd say Davis Mills, yeah. I'd rather have Fields. Honestly, I'd rather have Davis Mills this year, but I would much rather have Justin Fields for the rest of their careers. Yeah, for yes. the foreseeable. Well, I, the reason I, I go with Fields is I think Fields is more talented, and I think they're well, both. Well, yeah, I, yeah, same. But but they're both in a very similar spot. I think they're both going to have to throw the ball a lot. And uh, I think that with Montgomery and uh, the other running back that I can't think of. Khalil think, Herbert. Yeah, and Mooney. I think there's a little bit more talent around uh, uh, fields, slightly. There's not much talent in Chicago, but slightly more. And I think that that's why I'd give them nod to fields. I like right. I like that Mills is a uh, he's a Stanford guy, you know. The, uh, he's smart. I know he can uh, read a defense, and I also like uh, their OC. I like Pep Hamilton. I think he's a good OC, and I think he'll he'll get um, their offense going in the right direction. They still got playmakers on the edge, and I think that he'll be just as good as the last five games of last year. Davis Mills, Dan, do you remember when I looked up his college stats? Yeah, he, what he didn't really do much. Did he, he had like eighteen career touchdowns and eight interceptions. <laughs> All right, Bob, give us your corn on the cob. My corn on the cob is Marquise Hollywood Brown. I think uh, I think Hollywood's in a really good spot going to Arizona. I like the Cliff Kingsbury. I like the uh, Kyler Murray connection. I think they're going to run a very uh, Oklahoma, Texas Tech style offense, and that will fit with Hollywood. 
you know, he had a, he had a good year last year, even with Lamar Jackson being out for a while. And I think that this offense is going to open it up a little bit. And, uh, you know, especially with DeAndre Hopkins probably out for at least the first six games, I think it's going to open up the door for him to get a lot of touches. And uh, I think I think he could have a big year this year. Yeah, I, I do like that pick. Obviously, being an ex-Raven, you know, it was it was I was thinking about him because I know his ability to be able to stretch the field, especially in that offense. Um, I obviously just couldn't put myself through to, to, <laughs> to the guy, but I do like the pick. And I think that he's going to be utilized more in a way that's um, better for him. Yeah. Because unfortunately he couldn't really do, you know, his skill set uh, in Baltimore, but definitely uh, in Arizona, Kingsbury is going to find a way to, you know, jet sweep and things like that, get a stretch stretch game and, and things like that. And, and he'll definitely be worth uh, a nice pick. Yeah. I tell you what, he was on my fireworks list. Full disclosure. I could see Hollywood Brown being a top eight wide receiver. I could see him being, uh, you know, out of the top 24 as well. So uh, I'm very interested. That could be lightning in a bottle in Arizona. Yeah. I also do have one more question too. What's Hollywood production look like when DeAndre Hopkins come back? I think it's still there because he's going to be the number two guy. You know, I think he can fit that Christian Kirk role very well. Probably better. I would choose Hollywood over Christian Kirk sorry Ramsey but I would so I think that there's still a, a lot of um, meat on the bone for him once DeAndre Hopkins comes back well hey you would take uh Hollywood Brown over Christian Kirk but I mean you're the wild card so who knows you know what I mean <laughs> I mean fair enough wild card. Christian Kirk I mean top 12 top 12 but um I'm gonna Go ahead and stick in Jacksonville. And last week I made it an unpopular opinion, but I'm going to double down this week. And I'm going to say I'm very confident that Travis Etienne is going to be a top five fantasy running back this season. And that's going to be my corn on the cob. I think this guy is going to carry the Jaguars offense most, most of the way. If James Robinson comes back, great. Travis Etienne, is, it just fits the mold, the chemistry with Trevor Lawrence. The fact that Doug Peterson knows what the hell to do with offensive players is going to get him the football. He's going to get him the football in space. I can see him having six, seven receptions per, per game, which led the NFL in terms of running backs last season. I'm super high on Travis Etienne doubling down. This is my corn on the cob. I want Travis Etienne everywhere. Yeah, I like that pick. You know, I, I said last week, too, that, you know, I love the – the matchup there of uh, Lawrence, Etienne, and Peterson. You know, Peterson really, when he was with the Eagles, followed in Andy Reid's footsteps when it comes to running back production. I think Brian Westbrook got about 10 screen passes per game when Andy Reid was the head coach of the Eagles. And, you know, I think Darren Sproles did the same thing when Doug Peterson was the coach. And I think there's an opportunity there, you know, the same way it was in Clemson where Lawrence to Etienne – there's a very good chance you're going to see that four or five times a game. So I do. I really like that pick. It was six or seven, Bob, actually. <laughs> Just want to make sure we're on the same page. All right. 
this time next year we're going to see who had it correct four or five or six or seven i i am most the most the thing i'm most excited for with with uh destination football is listening back a year from now and finding out how right i was the whole time you know and how much better the podcast gets hopefully gets i hope i hope i tell you what I i just wanted to mention I heard it takes 40 episodes to get good at doing podcasts. And this gentleman is episode 20. So we're halfway there. I tell you what, I think we've gotten progressively better. We're starting to add some different things. We need to improve our sound quality. Cut that, cut that, cut that. But (laughs) we're halfway there. And I think 20 more, we're going to be nailing this shit. Mid-season catches in week eight, we're going to be nailing this. Okay. Well, I will say I, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, uh, but Zoom was a game changer. Game changer. Agreed. As progressively since we've gotten on Zoom. Agreed. I still I still hate myself for downloading Zoom for this, just so we're aware of that. Well, we appreciate it because uh, <laughs> with the Oracle out, we're gonna need, you know, we need a third voice well, around you, here. You could you could call in, Rob. We might not answer. Oh. Yeah, oh, let's go. Know. I want some call-ins. That'd be cool. Oh, you pop want me to on, be in? like, uh, this podcast is the best, is, five stars. This is Rob from Coopersburg. This show stinks. <laughs> <laughs> why are you why are you guys still trying? <laughs> I just want to talk to my friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're back at the 4th of July picnic. We got our hot dog. It's looking juicy. We got our corn the cob. It's lather than butter. I can't wait to take that first bite. And then we come up to the potato salad. Sometimes I wonder why the hell this shit is still on the table. Nobody wants it. Come on. Who is the potato salad? This guy is overrated, and you want no part of drafting him this season. Go ahead, Dan. All right, so first and foremost, uh, I won't have the potato salad hate because I love some potato salad sometimes. Cut that, cut that, cut that. Cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that. But uh, we'll get to it. Uh, This one's for Bob. My potato salad, Mr. Overrated, I wouldn't really want him. Ezekiel Elliott. I got Ezekiel Elliott here. He was 33rd in yards per carry in the league last year. He had a 68 PFF grade, and this year he's ranked 28th overall in all in all total rankings. And I, I mean, you know, I don't think he's terrible, but like I just, I'm. It's not my cup of tea, you know. It's 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 kind of you know with that offense the way they kind of play sometimes. I know they he still got what like 900 yards last year, but like. He was running back seven. That's pretty good. Yeah, I, I mean, he like I said, he's not terrible. Like I said, but it's not my it's not my cup of tea. And <clears throat> at, at this point, what I see out of them, I, I always thought it was going to be feed Zeke, but up to this point, it's kind of just been you know a teetering off, and I just see it. It's just going to be maybe teetering more and more off, and I just I wouldn't want to be a part of it. The only well, thing that I want to say real quick, Bob, I'm sorry. The only thing that I do want to say about Ezekiel Elliott is while he is being drafted as the 36th player overall, he's the 20th running back. That's something to keep in mind. He's the 20th running back off the board. So where you value, that's an RB2. Where you value that, 
might deter whether or not you see him as a, I'm not drafting him because honest to God, if I see Ezekiel Elliott at the, the 20th running back, I couldn't pass him up. Yeah. I think as the resident Cowboys fan, you know, my take on Zeke is, you know, I do see that he's on the downward slide of his career. I definitely wouldn't get crazy if I was in a dynasty league, you know, but a couple things about Zeke, you know, he did play, a pretty fair portion of the season with a torn ligament and he ended up as running back seven. I, I broke think, my back. Yeah. I, I think he's a good, <laughs> I think he's a good player. I think that he, I'm probably just like everyone else harder on him than he really deserves, you know, but a couple of concerning things about Zeke, as Dan mentioned, the Cowboys have transitioned the offense from feed Zeke to let Dak cook. And when you're letting Dak cook, that does lead to not running the ball as much. Tony Pollard has become a bigger um, part of the offense. Um, and a lot with that. O-line problems the, as well. I'll, and I'll... O-line problems. They have lost, you know, two of two of their main guys are gone. They've replaced them with, with young guys that are very unproven. You got Tyron Smith, who hasn't played a full season in a very long time. Um, and then the, the final thing is, you know, as far as the, like I said, with let that cook, you know, Zeke is not as much of a threat in the pass game. He doesn't catch the ball as well as Tony Pollard. They usually use Pollard when they're going to pass the ball. So I do think that there are a lot of red flags. I don't think Zeke's a hard, you know, he's not bad. He he's a fine player. I think running back 20 is probably pretty fair to what he is at this point, especially with the red flag of the torn ligament. Hair's looking good, Ramsey. Thanks, good. brother. Thanks, brother. I was going for uh, the what's the mayor who from from uh, the Grinch. Um, Bob, let me ask you something though. Do you want to speak with Zeke at RB twenty? I do. I would draft him. I would probably draft him well before running back twenty. To be completely honest, because especially in a one year league, I would roll the dice on Zeke because he is the main back, whether or not your team Pollard or not, he is the number one guy in Dallas and he is going to get a fair share of carries. I'd be shocked if he doesn't get a thousand yards next year, six or seven touchdowns, but he could not. I mean, there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of red flags out there. So, so it's, it's so not. Uh, the, the, for the next like two, three years, if you had to pick between Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, just one of them. You can't have both. Who are you picking? Um, I've gone back and forth on this, but I would pick Zeke because I think Zeke has the build for a number one back. Pollard concerns me. The idea of Tony Pollard getting 20 carries a game, I'm not sure if he could handle that. He's not built like that. He was a wide receiver in college. He's transitioned to running back. You know, I, I think that as good as he looks, it's kind of like I talked about with Melvin Gordon. You know, he's a 10 for 70 guy. But if he got 20 carries a game, he might be a 20 for 80 guy because he just couldn't handle inside the tackles type of running. So gun to my head, I would probably take Zeke. I got a hot take on this. Go ahead. I think a running back gets hurt in the – in uh, summer camp, I think someone offers a second-round pick for Ezekiel Elliott, and I think the Cowboys take it. Tony Pollard's much more fit in for that offense at this point. Um, Zeke's on the tail end. 
but he's still a big name. You're absolutely right. RB20 is actually pretty low for him. I would take him around RB. I would still put him as an RB1. But Rob, with all due respect, if you think someone's going to offer 20, a second round pick for that Ezekiel Elliott contract, I will run I, this. I will physically I, run to sign that I, contract. I could see somebody taking a second or third round pick and being like, give us Zeke. I could see the Colts doing it right now, even without being someone being hurt. I mean, so, if Jonathan yes. Taylor gets hurt, I, I don't know. Second round pick. If they could get a second round pick for Ezekiel Elliott, I they mean. got a fifth for Amari Cooper. Run and turn that in. Yeah. They got a fifth for Amari Cooper, who I think is far more valuable. And another thing is, you were saying something about, I know like a workhorse mentality, you would pick Zeke over Pollard because of, uh, you know, him being more, you know, capable of carrying a, a bigger load. The thing is, when is, I know he is capable and he has, but, like, with consistency, when has he really been taking 20 carries a game? Did he do it much last year? I don't I don't. Well, know. he did, and I think he did it especially pre-torn ligament. I mean, they changed the offense. But if you look at the first five games last year, Zeke was one of the top running back. I think he was running back number one, to be honest. Until Jonathan Taylor blew up, he was the top running back. Yeah, so I, I was just I'm saying. Not, because, like, I'm not saying that I don't. I don't have red flags for Zeke because he did get injured. And once a running back injured and once they get older, it's very concerning, but I do think that there's hope. So if I had to pick one or the other, I think that Zeke has proven that he can take the 20 carries a game more than Pollard. No, I get that too. I was just saying, I didn't think you guys needed to play a 20 carry 30 carry a game kind of game the way you've been playing. No, no, I agree with you there. I just, right now my view on Pollard is he's more of a breath of fresh air. And it's a lot different being the lead back than being the breath of fresh air. It's an easier job. Pollard was really good last year as well, while hurt as well. Oh, yeah. Everything he's done has been really good. But it's been limited. It's been 10 carries. It's been three, four catches a game. That's that's a lot tougher when you got to run through the carries or run through the tackles. And that's... That's my concern with him is could he hold that up for 17 games? Could he hold that up for 200 carries a year? I'm not really sure. Uh, I would like to take both of them and package them up and get them off my team as soon as possible. Yeah. I'm team Dak. (laughs) All right, Rob, give us a potato salad pick. I'm going to go with the obvious here and Christian McCaffrey. Um, The guy has played legit. He has played like 10 games in the last two seasons. He has 67 yards per game in those games that he played only six touchdowns. Like the guy hasn't really done much when he's been on the field and he hasn't been healthy in two years. You know, he is literally the number one guy going off right now. Oh, I'm sorry. He's the number two running back, number three overall. And I have no idea why anybody would want him at that spot. Yeah, it's very scary. It is 100% very scary. But this is what I'll say. A healthy Christian McCaffrey is number one overall. Even with Sam Darnold as the quarterback? Yes. Well, I mean, look at – I know he's only played 10 games over the last two seasons. I understand that. But look at the numbers when he's on the field. He is still the number one player in fantasy football. 
if he if if you right now i have a, a magical genie i wish i wish upon a star every single running back plays 17 games i'm taking christian mccaffrey number one that is the only thing that scares me now because I isn't the case, and I don't have a magical genie to grant me that wish, I'm taking Jonathan Taylor 100% of the time. But if I had 17 games of Christian McCaffrey, he's the number one player in my opinion. If you had the number three pick in a draft, would you take Christian McCaffrey? No. Right. No, I would not. If I had that genie, oh. I would. Out of curiosity, though. Who would you guys take before you took Christian McCaffrey? At what point in the first round, because he won't get out of the first round, at what point in the first round you have this pick, would you say, okay, I have to take him? Seven. I, I, midway, I would not yeah. take him. That's, if that's I could get him in the second round, if I could get him in the second round, I'd take him. That's, Probably not going to happen, but um, right. Take a shot on uh, Taylor Eckler. Uh, I don't want Derrick Henry. Uh, I'm bullet. I'm. I'm not. I don't feel great about Dalvin Cook. But I'm taking Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson before him. Uh, I'd consider Devontae Adams before him. I'm not sure right now, but I think if we were eight, nine, ten, it would be hard yeah. to pass up. If you did seven picks, that's the reason I thought of it. You're probably talking about those three, Jefferson, Chase, and I forget who the third guy you had was. I said Adams, but I probably meant Cup. Cup. And then then you're talking about quarterbacks. And then if it's a matter of quarterback four or it's Christian McCaffrey, I'd take McCaffrey. Because if you're doing a one-year league and he plays the whole year, there's your running back one. The, the one thing I would like to note uh, and why I might consider tra- uh, drafting Christian McCaffrey is because I'm the greatest of all time at trading Christian McCaffrey because the last two seasons <laughs> I traded him the week before he got hurt for a haul, and it has worked out pretty well in my favor. Uh, but that's the only reason that I would draft him. Uh, and uh, honestly, it's not a good reason, so whatever. All right, Bob, give us your potato salad. Well, here's my hot take of the night. My potato salad is Cooper Cup, everyone's favorite wide receiver. I like Cup. He had a really good year. He was uh, Matthew Stafford's favorite favorite guy, but he hasn't shown it over the long haul. He's had two years where he's had double-digit touchdowns. I know he had the big year last year, but he also had over 100 receptions, which is very difficult to replicate. I expect that to take a step back. I also think he's a guy that he's 29 years old. If the speed starts to get to him, that's going to be a problem. A lot of his big plays was burning the corner. I think if he slows down a little bit, you know, it's really going to hurt his production. I don't see him ever doing anything near what he did last year. So uh, maybe in a one-year league, but if I was in a dynasty league, I wouldn't touch him. That is a hot take. Um, it can, he is a little older. He's 29, but I mean, I, he's five years in, in the league. I think he was a little older when he, uh, when he got to the league. So he doesn't have all that much mileage on him. And it's kind of, I kind of feel like he's in his prime. I, I would be surprised if we don't have three more years of, of top 10 performances out of Cooper cup. I'm not saying number one, I'm not saying number one, but top 10 for the next three years, I could definitely, I can well, definitely get on board with that. The two things, the two things, you know, my two points were 
I think that he's a guy that's based on speed. So if he slows down, which once you get to year 30, you're bound to do. And also I think that the big reason for this production was the Matthew Stafford factor and the fact that they became best buddies. I think if that slows down, if Stafford, whatever, something happens to him, he's very bound to slow down. I mean, he had in his five years, I think it was like a two touchdown year, six and a four along with the 10 when um, golf was good and the 16 when last year was Stafford. So I think that there's a, an opportunity that he may not be as productive as, as he was last year again. So I don't, I don't think he, he can replicate what he did last year. 16 touchdowns is by far ridiculous, but I still see him as a top five. Um, that offense didn't really lose anybody. I know they lost Beckham, but he wasn't that big of a factor in the playoffs. Um, I still think he's their number one. I still think they have the aerial assault. And Matt Stafford's still a good quarterback. I mean, you said it best. He hit it off with Matt Stafford. He's his favorite target. I still see him as a top five guy. As long as they're still going out for breakfast dates, I'm on the Matthew Stafford Cooper Cup connection. So, uh, hey, we're, we're just here. We're having a conversation. That's Bob's potato salad. He doesn't want to draft Cooper Cup. And honest to God, if he's the first wide receiver off the board, go ahead and take him because I'll take Jamar Chase. <laughs> I'll take Justin Jefferson. You know, I think Cooper would probably be my third wide receiver. So, if, you know, if somebody else wants to go ahead and take him as the first wide receiver, he's all yours, brother, you know? So, okay. My potato salad is going to be Tyreek Hill, who I am, I am very surprised, shocked even, to see his ADP still all the way up at seven. Uh I whenever we did the Dolphins episode, I, I exclaimed that I wouldn't be surprised if Tyree Kill doesn't break 800 yards for the rest of his career in Miami. That would not surprise me at all. He was already volatile with the best quarterback in the NFL. And now he's going, he's playing with Tua, who's not a deep ball throwing type of guy with, with Jalen Waddell and Cedric Wilson, who we've already brought up on this podcast, could also hog the targets. I, I don't see Tyreek Hill performing efficiently in Miami with the limited number of targets he's going to see. Where, you know, in, in Kansas City, he had games where he had 12, 14, 16 targets uh, compared to some other games when he was getting four or five. I could see a whole lot more percentage of his games in Miami being that four to five target game as compared to what he was seeing in Kansas City. So I just don't see Tyreek Hill being efficient enough to put up wide receiver seven stats. I am so glad you said this because I see this whole thing blowing up quickly too. I see Tyreek Hill not getting the production that he got against City, him being upset about it, and this all just going downhill. I could see all of that happening. Tyreek Hill in Miami is not going to be Tyreek Hill in Kansas City. You're absolutely right. Tua can't throw it 40 yards down the field in stride to catch him, you know? Yeah, they'll still do the bubble screens and things like that, but Tyreek Hill's greatest weapon is the speed and being able to go downfield. Tua has yet to master that. I do not see Tyreek Hill being a wide receiver number one in a 12-team league. I don't see him – I see him being a mid-number two at best, and that's 
if he still gets targets. Because yeah. as we said, they have the two other weapons. And I don't like Tua. I just, I never have. I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. Not even just those two other weapons, though, too. I mean, Mike Kosicki, all the running backs that they brought in. There is a lot of talent in Miami to, go, to get the ball to, really. That, uh, and I mean, hey, maybe, maybe that helps Tyreek Hill, you know, with getting open. But, and he can make people miss. He can catch the short ball and make people miss. But just based off of personnel, I'm not sure that's what he's going to be doing. So uh, there's my potato salad, Tyreek Hill. Let's move on to the grand finale, the fireworks, the breakout. Who can put up 30 points on any given week? Who can score a touchdown from anywhere on the field? Dan, give us your firework pick. All right, well, you guys are going to hate me. Uh, I went uh, plain Jane. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, best player in the league, best running back in the league. I, you know, I, I don't see why he can't be Mr. Firework every week, you know, get you 30, 40 points, however you're configured. It's probably going to be number running back number one yet again, probably most points in the league. I also had not another player, so I'm not going to ruin it. I'm not trying to spoil anybody, but I had as a firework, something a little different. I didn't, cause I picked, you know, Jonathan Taylor. I didn't want to be too original. Um, I picked the Vikings offense to be a firework next year. Vikings last year ranked first in the NFL in 15 plus yard gain gains on offense. They also had um, six uh, I think they were bottom five or six teams in turnovers. So I think that's good where you keep the ball, you, you know, you gain a lot of yards. You have two guys who were top five in rushing and receiving. You had obviously Jefferson and cook. Um, I think cousins is, you know, he's, he can be inconsistent at times, but when he's good, he can be good. He can be on. Um, so, you know, that's another one. I figured I'd give a little uh, twist to, uh, the fireworks there uh i like that i know you've been talking about the vikings a little bit and i i think i think maybe you had a boner for uh kirk cousins <laughs> i like dalvin cook too man i don't have a boner for him but i definitely like me some dalvin cook you know i think i remembered you saying that you wish he was the ravens quarterback he also changed his number to his college number and he's going to be looking like that Florida State Dalvin Cook. And the last time I checked, no one was touching that guy. So, uh, very interesting. I mean, if he can stay healthy, sure. Yeah. And, you know, the gritty in the back end. And then you got a Adam Thielen, too, who's kind of slept on, I think. I think that offense is. Well, he's one of the closest guys to being asleep, asleep in a rocking chair in the league. So, uh, yeah, I'm sleeping. All right, Rob, give us your firework. My firework is going to come from the Los Angeles Chargers, and it's going to be Justin Herbert, 5,000 yards last year, 38 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. He's bringing back all his weapons, and that's going to be my quarterback I'm taking off the board first. I know he's going to go in, like, the third round or something like that. Do not care. Everyone needs a quarterback. That's my guy, and he's going to light up the league yet again this year. 
and the Chargers are actually going to make the playoffs. That's my bold prediction of the year. It would be about goddamn time because every single season we talked about that on the Chargers episode. It was like, I feel like every single season, it's like early in the season, they're one of the best teams in the NFL, surefire playoff team. And then at the end of the season, they don't make the playoffs. And it's like, what the hell just happened? I've been saying this for the past five years that the Chargers are going to make the playoffs. So one of these years, I'm going to have to be correct. And it's this year. You shouldn't have said that because we had evidence on the podcast. You could have made it sound like this was the first time you've had that prediction. No, because someone's going to hear this and be like, you've been saying that for years. <laughs> hey, you guys know what um, Herbert and Josh Allen have in common? Um, they're both handsome and good at football. How do you know? You're so smart. I mean, it's the hair. All right. Uh, Bob. Fireworks. Uh, I had CD Lamb. Well, actually, I didn't. I had. I actually had Tyree Kill, but you drafted him, so <laughs> I'll go with CD Lamb. I think Lamb, uh, especially with Gallup out early in the year, he's going to be the main focus of the Cowboys' offense. I think there's going to be an opportunity for him to get a lot of looks from different positions, whether it's from the slot, whether it's from. Uh, the X, Y, the Z, whatever, he's going to probably play them all. And I think uh, I think Lamb's uh, set up for a big year. He's another guy, though, that his ADP is scaring me off a little bit. I feel like he's being drafted a little higher than I would feel comfortable drafting him, especially I was burned by him last year. So there's also that, the old recency bias of being burned by a guy. I drafted him a little higher than I probably should have last year. And it bit me in the ass. I wound up trading him after like five weeks, uh, which uh, didn't work out for me either. So uh, I'm a little scared off a little bit from CD lamb and his current ADP. I feel like he's in the top 12. Maybe I don't remember that. Right. But I think he's somewhere in there. Uh, so he scares me a little bit, but, but I, I could also see CD lamb being the, the wide receiver one. You know, uh, he's one of those guys that, you know, somebody wants to take the shot that early, take the shot that early, you can have them. On PFF, they got CeeDee Lamb 38th overall, 13th overall receiver. Okay, so just outside. I tell you what, if CeeDee Lamb was my wide receiver too, I'd be excited about it. He's right behind Jalen Waddle. Okay, see, I was looking at uh, – Fantasy pros, and they had Jalen Waddle at 12. I remembered – or 13. I remembered that. Fair enough, though. Anybody else want to comment on C.D. Lamb before I give mine? I, I just hate the Cowboys. So, I know C.D. Lamb's going to put up numbers and things like that. But I just – I don't know. I, I can't see him being a wide receiver one just because it's the Cowboys. I really don't. Well, I hate them. the 49ers, so now we're even up. I know, I know. It's okay. I, I still actually, love. I love you, though. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Since we're here yeah, now, I love, I love you, Rob. I, I hate Jim Harbaugh and everything. Forty nine. I know. We're, we're those. We're that team. So, Rob, <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you before I give my firework, which is going to veer us off somewhere different. Um, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on Debo Samuel. Uh, now, it seemed like the whole dispute with the contract was him basically wanting to be paid to be a wide receiver and a running back or stop giving me carries. So it seems to me like he's probably not going to see that type of work again this season. 
How high do you think he can get without that production? Do you think he can put up those kinds of numbers just as a wide receiver with Trey Lance as quarterback? Well, he ha- I think it was – I don't know off the top of my head, but I think he had eight touchdowns for running last year or something right. of that nature. Correct. Right. So, obviously, he's not getting that production. Um, I don't know about Trey Lance yet. I wish I did, but I don't. Let's not fool ourselves and think Jimmy Garoppolo was a great quarterback. So I can't sit here and tell you that he's going to get his receiving numbers because I don't know if Trey Lance is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I hope he is because we gave up three number one picks for him. So I really hope he's better, but he hasn't proven anything yet. So I'm going to go – my gut tells me right now, no. If he's not running the football – if he's not doing the things that he did last year, there's no way he's getting those extra, that extra production. And you take away that extra production, he still might be a wide receiver one, but then you add in the fact of Trey Lance and what do we have there? I, I, I don't see him being a wide receiver one this year. No. Interesting, because he is another guy who's kind of, he's being drafted pretty high, and that's something that, you know, it scares me off a little bit. Now, if it ends up being that the, the the carries he's not getting, he turns into three more catches per game, it could pay off. He's not going to score that many touchdowns. That is probably out of the realm of possibilities. Uh, I think, what, he had 16 total last year or something like that, uh, yes. something outrageous. Uh, so I don't see that happening. Uh, obviously, the running back work got him all the way up to wide receiver, too. Uh, I'm interested. I'm still interested. Um, I did see that on Sleeper. Uh, they did decide that Debo Samuel was wide receiver only, and they also just made the switch. I don't know if you got, guys saw this. Poor Daryl Patterson is only running back eligible now. That's, that's that. interesting news, okay? Okay, my firework for 2022 is Kadarius Tony, wide receiver for the New York Giants. Go Gators. I don't I don't want to act like uh, I'm saying he's going to be a stud, but also I wanted to note that fireworks can be duds. And Kadarius Tony is the perfect example of an I'm not sure, but it's a firework. Because if he hits, if he stays healthy, if he stays on the field, if, he, if he's not a knucklehead, Kadarius Tony could be a wide receiver one. He showed it last year when he was on the field. 10 catches for 189 against the Cowboys or whoever that was. That's the type of player Kadarius Tony can be. If he's not being stupid, if he's, if he's healthy, if he's on the field, but also there's the realm of possibilities where he's not, and he could be that firework dud. Me personally, I'm banking on Kadarius Tony figuring it out and really being a staple of the New York Giants offense for the next four years until they get tired of him and trade him somewhere else. (laughs) See, there's there's also the realm of possibility that, um, like we heard in the preseason or um, earlier, not the preseason, but earlier uh, this year that, you know, there was trade rumors and things like that with him. So if he gets traded to basically almost any team is – better passing offensive wise than the New York Giants. Almost anything. You could probably close your eyes and throw a dart and and hit a team in the league that you could put Tony on that he'd be more productive on. 
I, you know, yeah. I, I'd, I'd also hold, I'd also hold hope in that sense where I, I'm sure he'll be good. And I know he's capable of being good with the giants, but given he's traded to somebody that can maybe throw the ball a little more proficiently or something like that, that can unlock, you know, what he's truly, his potential is, I think totally he could be a firework. He could be a massive firework. Totally. Let so, me guys, I want to ask you guys a question really quick because I'm in this dilemma personally right now. Would you keep Kadarius Tony for a 16th round pick or Devontae Adams for a first? This year? Yeah. Devontae Adams. Yeah, I'm I'm also picking Adams. I, you know, like I said, my um my corn on the cob, Mr. Undervalued, is Derek Carr. So I think they're going to have a year. And yeah, I think he's okay. – Let me put it in this perspective then. Let me put it in this perspective. It is a 16th-round pick for Kadarius Toney or a first-round pick that happens to be number two overall. For sure, I keep Tony. I, I, I don't – I, I, I would take Devontae Adams. Uh, Kadarius Tony still has I, Daniel Jones like, going to him, right? I like the Dable Jones potentially Tony connection a lot more than I like uh, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. For the value. You know, I, say, I could, I could I, presumably keep Tony, <laughs> and then because I have the number two pick, I could just. This draft is from Devontae the Red. Adams. I am a Giants believer. I think that the Giants are going to have a very good offense next year. We're going to find out. And I love the take. Uh, well, I just wish Dayball was Lamar Jackson because maybe I could hear a little more praise from Bob out of <laughs> about, about the guy. <laughs> I, I think I've never heard about I've never heard someone talk about Brian Dable so much. <laughs> fucking, the fucking guy. I'm sure he's good. I know he's good. Like I've heard of him, but like you talked about this guy like he's freaking Bill Parcell or Brian Billick. People forget when when Brian when uh Josh Adams or Josh uh, Allen came out of Wyoming. I mean, he was not that good. And he he and Brian Dable got a hold of him. I think that you know uh Daniel Jones were about to see his potential this year. I don't like it. I hope the guy sucks, but I think he's going to be good next year. I think the Giants' offense is going to take a real step in the right direction. Well, if he sucks, Bob, they end up with like uh, Bryce Young next year or something. I think I'd rather have. I, I actually think Tyrod Taylor takes over midseason, and we see no. the end of Daniel Jones and the Giants. I do. There isn't a single chance that happens, unless it's injury. I, no way. I okay. If it happens, you can come on this podcast and tell me I was wrong. I'll, I'll take the ex-Raven Tyrod Taylor bet. I just don't I don't I don't see the Giants. I, if they're 0 and 16, I don't see Daniel Jones not starting week 18. But uh, uh what I, do I know? I don't you know, I'm not a Giants insider. I'm not at practice, but uh I just come on. Tyrod, what's the point? What is the point of putting in Tyrod Taylor? There is a 0.0.0.0% chance Tyrod Taylor starts a game for what? the Giants. I just don't see the point. Who wants to like, take this bet? Let's go. Oh, hey, water bet. First, is this the first water bet on destination football? I'll Let's take go. it. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Over or under starts? 
one and a half games or what? A half game? Point uh, we're at a half game right now. We're at a half game. I'm taking the over. I'm taking the under. I'm taking the over a half game. Barring injuries. Barring injuries. Barring injuries. Yes. Daniel Jones just Barring injury too? Barring injury. I'll take it. Let's put it out there. Barring injury means injury doesn't count. Injury nulls the the bet. What what if it's like, oh, well, you know, it's up in the air. Like, sometimes they act like he's hurt, even though they don't want to. Listen, if he rolls his ankle and it says Daniel Jones out ankle, doesn't count. I'm still taking Tyrod. Taylor will not start more than .0, what is it, .5 games next year. And if he does, all right, all right. Next year, Rob owes me a whopper of an apology on this podcast. You need to buy him a whopper and watch him eat it on the podcast. <laughs> all I know is, all I know is this bet could easily. I know you guys said zero, 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 whatever. I think this bet could possibly, not easily, possibly go over in week one. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Who knows? No, no, but no, I'm not saying no week chance. one. Right. But. I'm not saying. So, Rob, saying when, for Daniel, sure, but. when Daniel Jones starts all 17 games next year, barring injury, you owe me a whopper and a big old side on your ranks. There we all go. Right. And if if he all does, right. if he starts more than half a game, you can dump two simultaneous gallons of, of water on my head. <laughs> all right. That's the all water. Right. I bag. like this guy. That hair's Here too nice. Dump water. Come on. Come on. <laughs> All right. All I want to know now before we close this podcast out for the day is your current July 4th, 2022 Super Bowl prediction off the cuff. Dan, who are you taking to win the Super Bowl this year? Um, Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I like the Rams. I like the Rams. The Rams to go back to back. I also have a dark horse. I like the Colts. But ultimately, ultimately, we know who wins games. Jimmy Garoppolo. We? <laughs> The Baltimore Ravens. You gotta let the homer be a homer once. You gotta let the homer be a homer one time. I I win a playoff game and come back. Why? Why would I say we can't? We we have a great defense. We've only gotten better at at, in secondary. That's the thing that killed us last year. Lamar, when he was healthy, we won ninety five percent of our games. All everybody was hurt. Everybody and their mother was hurt on the team. I think that this year, I'm not saying we will win the Super Bowl. I'm just saying no, that's what you're saying. That's the question. So you're saying, <laughs> no, all right, yeah, yeah, all right. I'm saying they will win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that you know, a hundred percent, no doubt that um, they're probably gonna win. But I, I would say whatever. Yeah, then that's that's what I'm picking. Whatever. Baltimore Ravens, Dan had to get in there. You know, I kind of for sure thought that your firework was going to be Lamar. I thought your hot dog was going to be Rashad Bateman. I thought your corn on the cob was going to be Mark Andrews. And I thought your potato salad was going to be somebody from the Steelers. And you let me down. You let me down. Potato salad was going to be Hollywood Brown. I thought I stole one from you. 
Yeah, we did steal one, a first round pick from the Cardinals. I don't know what they were smoking. <laughs> smoking a fu- trading Hollywood Brown for a first round pick. I don't wow. know what's in the water in Arizona. It must Listen, be something, from, whatever the Jags are drinking is sign Christian. From what I understand, peyote is very is very popular in Arizona. So I'm gonna say that's probably what it was. Uh Rob, what's your Super Bowl prediction? I'm I'm just gonna go with a dark horse. I mean, if you're gonna if I'm betting right now, it's the Rams. But my dark horse this year is gonna be the New England Patriots, Mac Jones, Bill Belichick gets back to the Super Bowl. And he flips Tom Brady off in the process. Wow. You must have missed my 6-11 and 11 prediction from last week. Yeah, I did. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Bob, Super Bowl. Um, I'm going the Chargers. I think it's time for, uh, time for Justin Herbert to uh, step up and be the guy that everyone thinks he is. Uh... No. You're all wrong. Let me just start there. You're all wrong. It's the Buffalo Bills. This is the fourth year in a row I'm saying this, I think, or at least the third year in a row I'm taking the Buffalo Bills. They're finally going to get it done this year. Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL. I know what I said earlier about Pat Mahomes. That was just general consensus. Josh Allen, however, is the best quarterback in the NFL. He's going to prove it once again. My favorite quarterback, Josh Allen. My favorite player, Stephon Diggs. The Buffalo Bills have the best, most complete roster in the NFL. They have a great head coach. Brian Dables, a big loss on the offensive coordinator. They're going to fill that spot, Ooh. no problem. It will Brian be the Buffalo Bills. 2023 Super Bowl champions. Enjoy your Independence Day. Happy holidays. Destination football.